Welcome to the CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Britt Wright, and this podcast is for creative entrepreneurs on fire. You're listening to season four, where we're going to give you inspiration to fuel your creativity, actionable steps to further your business success, and major aha moments from the amazing guests we have lined up. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for listening. Now let's begin. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we talk about all things business here with a little bit of woo-woo thrown in. So what we're doing at the moment is we are creating a very robust, amazing course for designers, and this course is going to teach you how to run your own business, and it's going to get down into the absolute nitty-gritty that we just can't cover on the podcast. So if you're interested in learning how to run your business efficiently and become a profitable, happy designer, please get on the wait list. The link is in this episode show notes. We are launching in early 2024. Today on the podcast, we have Jen. Jen, can you share a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, and uh, let us know who you are? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thanks. So I'm from Minneapolis. My name is Jen Briggs. Um, I have three daughters. They are 17, 15, and 12. So we're very busy over here. Um, I am currently, so I'm the general manager of five real estate brokerages in the Twin Cities area here. So we've got about just under 800 agents and about 30 leadership staff member. Um, and so that's kind of my primary thing that I've been focused on. I can give you backstory in a minute here, but I'm in that role right now. So I'm coaching, consulting, a little bit of recruiting, but primarily working with those agents, entrepreneurs to help them um, maximize their business systems, tools, how to hire people, how to build teams. Uh, and also I would say that the component that I've, that I've sort of become more known for accidentally is the mindset side of it. You know, that we talk a lot about our business can only grow to the extent that we do. And so oftentimes when people are running up against a ceiling or a limitation, it's more a about how they're viewing things than it is the practical skill set. Sometimes it is skill set, but then it's like, why why are you not doing that thing? Let's let's uncover what's actually getting in your way. So I do some one-on-one coaching, some group coaching, and a lot of just larger scale training as well, which is kind of my favorite. Amazing. Tell me a little bit more about how you got to where you are. Where did you start and what was your path to being successful to kind of getting to the point where you are running these three brokerages, what were the steps you had to take from maybe when you first realized that was the career that you wanted to be in? And then kind of where, how did you get to kind of where you are today? Hmm. It's not a typical path as it probably is true for most of us. But so I started in the nonprofit world. I actually started in church music, which was like not at all where I am now, but I started in that in my early 20s. I ended up getting a graduate degree in leadership and music and um, had been doing that for 10 years and was kind of dying on the vine. Like I just, there was not a lot of room for growth financially or personal development or just in my career. And so my sister at the time was in in real estate and she was like, you should just join me. I'm like, I really don't want to do this. So I was applying for jobs anywhere. I always saw myself being like this businesswoman, you know, just like she's wearing a pencil skirt and she's doing the business thing. And so I was like, well, what's my path to getting there? I tried to re I mean, I networked with everyone I knew and tried to, I didn't get one interview. So after months of searching for jobs, quote unquote, 
my sister was like, Jen, just, just come join me. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I fell backwards into real estate and figured it would just be a bridge. I was like, this is because I can't work this other job anymore. I'm just like losing my mind. So this will be a bridge for me. Got into real estate and we were about a, a little over a year in to, I don't, we, we did fine. Like I replaced the income I was making, which was like $45,000 a year nonprofit. Right. So I replaced that and right around a year in my brother passed away unexpectedly. And so my sister pivoted. She was like, I need a break from what we're doing. And she started staging homes, which is great and worked out really well for her. She's still doing that. And I went into my manager's office at the time. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've got it. Who do you know in corporate? How can you get me a job? I was leaning on my sister. I'm not a salesperson was kind of my thought. And he just said, look, I see a lot of people come and go. I believe in you. If you know, like you can do it, you just need a couple hours a day, put your head down and, and do these things. And so I was like, okay, well, I trust, I trust him. So if he believes in me, I'm just going to have to choose to believe in him. That kind of idea of like borrowing somebody's belief in you. Mm -hmm. So I showed up and within about, gosh, it was, I mean, it was 18 months and I was making $150,000 a year. And then the next year I doubled that. And I ended up hiring some people and, um, it was not easy by, by any means, but that led me to building a pretty substantial, just real estate business on my own. And then people started seeing what I was doing. They were like, well, she's leading this team and she had success in sales. And, and I was so content to be in the background, honestly, cause I wasn't like a big deal in anybody's eyes. And I had been my previous job. I was like on stage every, every week. And I was just front and center. And I was tired of it. Like, mm -hmm. I just was ready to be in the background. And so he had asked me to explore leading the Minneapolis office, which is the largest office. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm so good. Like I'm making good money. I have this really fun team. I have my own business. I have all the autonomy I want to have. And the conversation continued to come up. And eventually I would think my team was like, Jen, you can't not explore this. Like you've, you're kind of made to do this. So one thing led to the other. I took that office over, led it for five years, and then had the opportunity to step in the position I'm in now, which is over all four of the offices. So it's amazing. It's been a fast and furious journey in five years. I mean, at that point when I stepped into real estate, I literally could not pay my bills. Like I, I had to borrow money for my first lockbox and my photographer, and like I, I. I couldn't pay my bills from five years to basically being here, which is kind of wild. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I think yeah. super inspirational. I love how you hit all those different roadblocks and it it just literally kept shuffling you like into what you're supposed to be doing, which yeah. I love to see that kind of story because I just, it makes me be like, see, how can you not believe that, you know, you're meant to be doing what you're meant to be doing and, Ugh. you know, somebody's yeah. got your back with that. Um, in those five years, what do you think the most difficult situation is that you faced and how did you deal with it and overcome it? Have you ever ran into anything that's almost made you kind of say, okay, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Can I give you two? I'll give you two. Yeah. yeah. I would say the, the first one was when my brother passed away, um, primarily because you just, you only have so much emotional capacity. And at that point I had no runway. I had no, I had no reserves. I had nothing. And I built my business door knocking. So I built, it just was like bootstrap, 
like, I'm going to go door knocking and figure out how to figure this out. That was the most, eh, I don't know if it was the most emotionally challenging, but it was very challenging to just be like, I'm like trying to grieve, grieve this situation. I, I don't have my sister anymore. So, um, I really became good at compartmentalizing, I guess. Um, and I think that served me for a while, very transparently. It served me well for a season and then it didn't serve me well anymore. It was like, I needed to do what I needed to do. So for those few hours a day, I literally would just like, I'd sit in my car and I would do the, the Mel Robbins. Have you heard of the five second rule? It's yeah. like that. The Mel Robbins, like five, four, three, two, one, go. And I would do it in the snow and the rain and just get out of my car and go and not think. I just had a rule, like, don't negotiate with yourself. Don't think about it. You made a commitment to do this thing for, it was at the time I'm like, give it six months, give it everything you got and then just see what happens. So during that, that time I became good at compartmentalizing and, um, developing like a really acute discipline muscle. Like I, I like to say that discipline, it seems obvious, but discipline often comes before motivation, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was what got me through that period. And then eventually I started seeing results and that started taking off. Um, so that that's cool. But then eventually I was like, I've got to, I've got to give myself some space to pull back in like my wholeness and not be so fragmented, you know? Um, the second thing I would say is I'm sure a lot of people say this, but being in Minneapolis, so we had COVID obviously, and then in the real estate industry and in Minneapolis, our restrictions were really, really tight. So a lot of the other offices didn't have the same restrictions that we did. And we had to go hundred percent virtual for a long period of time. And so leading a team and holding a team together and dealing with your own like anxieties around what it was and everybody else's, that was a thing. And then George Floyd happened. And so that happened in Minneapolis. My best friend lives like four, do four doors down from where it happened. And oh we had realtors, you know, helping clients sell homes in that area and buy homes in that area. We have a very diverse office in, in race, socioeconomic status, in sexual orientation, like all of it. And so there was a lot of opinions and a lot of naturally, a lot of feelings, a lot of trigger, a lot of trauma on top of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, how, how am I going to navigate this? And what do people need right now? And I think, I think, I think what I've learned about myself, which, which I think I wouldn't have seen it had this not happened is that some of my best leadership comes out in the most trying times because it requires a different, a totally different skill set that this might sound a little, a little self-centered, but I just don't think a lot of people either have it or haven't had the opportunity to develop that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that Brene Brown stuff or Simon Sinek. It's, it required a lot of space for vulnerability and courageous conversations and, and, a, and an, a willingness to admit, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know what I don't know. Um, so one of the, on a very practical level, one of the things that I did, I always knew that I could only see whether it was COVID or it's George Floyd situation and how do we handle, how are we training our agents right now? Even how are they talking to their clients about redlining and things that are specific to real estate? I can only see the perspective that I can see. And my coach at the time used this analogy of a beach ball. And she's like, if you're holding a beach ball in front of you and it's right in front of your face, what do you see? And somebody might say, well, I see white. 
Like I just see this strip of white in front of me. And if the person on the other side sees the other side of the beach ball, you can only see what you can see. And so part of your job as a leader is to gather as many perspectives as you can to see the most holistic picture that you can and then make the best decision for everybody. So I really sought out, there was probably a handful of people that I sought out that I would call in the most difficult situations and say, and I knew they had different perspectives. So like, I want your perspective and don't sugarcoat it for me. And then I would just kind of sit on it for a little bit and take it in. And then I'd make a decision kind of based on intuition. I really had to also cultivate that. Like, how am I getting in tune with my tuition? And when I knew, I knew. Like when I knew what the right thing to do was, I knew. Um, That was hard. And it was hard to, on top of that, there were days to, I mean, you asked the question, like, were there ever a point when you felt like I just can't do this anymore? For sure. And that I had moments and I had two colleagues and we kind of, we made a pact with each other one day because it was interesting. We would like take turns in a very organic way of being like, I can't today. Like I literally cannot. And there were days when I call them crying and just be like, I can like, all right, I got you. I got your meetings. I got your things. I'm like, thank you. And then we would just kind of go through this rotation of knowing like hum- humans have capacity and we definitely reached our capacity. So those are a couple practical things I did during that time. Amazing. I think there's quite a few things you said in that, in that story that strike me. And one I think is that as an entrepreneur and as somebody, when you said, when you started, you couldn't pay your bills. And I think there's something to be said for getting to a point or being in a place where you kind of have to succeed. You don't have another choice. Mm. And even when you run up against things as awful as losing a family member or having to go through any type of grief where you are also running a business and you literally don't have another choice. There's no compassionate leave for you available. There's, you know, you don't get paid to have time off to grieve and you really have to compartmentalize, as you said, and, and focus. And I, you know, I've had situations like that where just everything's going wrong, but you have to literally, like you said, five, four, three, two, one, and like, put a smile on your face, get out of the car, be happy, be, you know, talk to your business, rely on kind of your instincts that, you know, your skills and you know what you're talking about and almost just let it be on autopilot. And then kind of like, Mm. you can reopen that emotional gateway when you're alone and when you're set aside. So I think that's probably some good advice for anybody kind of starting out in their career or Mm. who hasn't really gone through anything traumatic yet uh, while they're running their business. Like eventually you know, we all have ups and downs and we all go through seasons of our life where things are great or things aren't so great. And when things aren't so great, we have to have some tools to be able to navigate that and continue to move forward. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to wither and die and that's not an option. Um, And then the second thing I really loved was gathering the perspectives and kind of leaning on your team. So one thing I always say is that if we don't, like we have to surround ourselves with a team that works. Otherwise we're never Mm. going to be able to grow. Like you can be as amazing and wonderful and perfect at what you do, but if you can't hire the right people and lean on the right people to support you in your business, that level of growth will hit a ceiling at some point as one person, you can only do so much. Right. And, um, there was one thing you said, and I think it's Brene Brown, but I could be incorrect where it's like, she kind of asks her partner, I think it's her and her husband. And she says, how much do you have today? 
Right. Yep. And if he says, mm-hmm. I've got 80%, she goes, cool. I'll get your other 20. Yep. And I feel like that with my team, like, you know, if I go in and I say, guys, I'm just, just not having a good day today. Like I'm feeling negative. I'm having a lot of negative, negative self-talk. I'm just feeling like things aren't going right. And they're like, they will, you know, automatically pick that up and be like, nope, we got this. We got this. We're doing this. Let's move forward with this. And mm-hmm. it's just, they kind of bring the positivity up. And if, if they're feeling down, it's the other way. So we balance each other out. So mm-hmm. I think it's so important to be able to identify those people in your business and surround yourself. And if you are a solopreneur and you're on your own, you know, find a friend, find a sibling, find a parent who can possibly give you that. So you can call them and say, I have 40% today. Like, can you give me 60? Can you, mm-hmm. can you fill in a little bit here and just, mm-hmm. you know, bump me up, help me feel better. Um, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I can't imagine having to go through COVID and virtually running an office, which is hard enough in itself <laughs> without anything else. And then having mm-hmm. all of that additional trauma added on top of that, that's, that's a whole, that's I mean, a the whole thing, yeah. the world's been through a lot in the last oh few gosh. years. And yeah. then even now with what's going on, I was talking to a friend yesterday and it's just, it's like, I don't know, just even commenting on what's happening in the world. It's like, I don't feel I have the space. Like I don't have the knowledge enough to even comment on what's happening. I just Mm. feel so sad, you know? Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. 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 The the team thing too. I mean, in times like this, I think even like you said, like if I don't have the knowledge or I don't, I'm, I'm feeling sad. That was a big thing with George Floyd. I'm like, I'm not sure how to navigate these conversations right now, but even just starting with that piece of, of vulnerability. It's, it's like to try to start with anything else and show up and pretend like I know what Mm -hmm. I'm doing in those moments is just dumb and everybody sees it and they feel it. And they're like, this doesn't feel right. But, but for in those moments to say, man, this is hard. I don't have it figured out. I don't know what to say. And, and the, the people will rise up to that too, because there are people that have something to add to the conversation. There are people that have the education that can, that can help us. And then we can help all educate ourselves in those things too. But I think one of the things that came to mind as you're talking about that with the team aspect too, is, is good on you, by the way, for cultivating that kind of culture. I just don't, I don't know how common it is. I tend to feel like it's not that common, but the more, and maybe it's, I'm in a little bit of an echo chamber, but the more people I'm talking to, the more I'm like, yes, like you're creating an environment that I just listened to a podcast with Adam Grant, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek. And they were talking about, she said, I'm shifting my verbiage instead of talking about safe spaces because a safe space for you might not feel safe to this person. So instead of calling it a safe space, we're calling it a courageous space. And that means that it's going to require courage for all of us to have the tough conversations or to be able to show up tomorrow and say, today's not my day. And Mm -hmm. I got 20%. And, um, you know, I think old school was like, I'm a hundred all the time. And that just doesn't, that doesn't fly. I don't think it flies the same anymore. So much uh, to your point, so much has changed in the world and our industry that people, I think people want, I also deep down believe people need real connection. And I think we need it in the workplace. And I think there's a lot of value in there in terms of not just relationship, but also productivity and success. And we're going to get further if we feel safe and can trust each other. That's just bottom line. Yes. I think emotional intelligence in general for, you know, just as the 
earth kind of evolves. And as we start to have more of a connection, like, you know, subconsciously as a collective, we are expecting more grace from our team. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, back in the day, say you're leading an army and it's all fear-based, right? And that's how Mm -hmm. the workplace used to be. It was like, I'm the boss and you are afraid of me because I control you. And Mm -hmm. that's where my power comes from. But to me, it's about cultivating loyalty through that connection. Like Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, my team is loyal to me because they know I care about them and they care about me. And it's, Mm -hmm. there still has to be, you know, some level of expectation in terms of, you know, hierarchy and all of those things. But I also think you can be a human at the same time and you Mm -hmm. can have that care and compassion for the people that work with you. And it only generates a stronger bond and a better workplace and a better overall product of whatever it is you're creating. I think the customers can feel it. I think that the end product is just filled with so much more kind of love and compassion when you come at it from that place. So I think yeah, it's, you're speaking my language. <laughs> I, love I, it. I just think it's, it's not something that you can put like a value on. It's really, and you, you kind of have it or you don't. And that's how you, I think that's part of the challenge though, too, or part of what I'm running up against is if I'm, if I'm measuring or I'm trying to put metrics around, like how is an employee successful or, or an entrepreneur successful? And we have all of these things that are really hard, if not impossible to measure, but we know that they're so important. And then we, not only can we not measure, like, are you doing these things? I guess there are ways, but it's hard to see the output or the result of that. You know, what is the actual result of a healthy team versus a a not, or a a vulnerable team versus a not vulnerable team? It's really tough, but I, I mean, this is kind of the whole, the whole piece that I'm leaning into right now is seeing like the way that we've done this kind of what to you were speaking historically, this, this like, um, hierarchical dominant, I'm going to say masculine energy way of leading, which Mm -hmm. I did for 15 years of my career. And it got me where it got me to some degree, but it just isn't working the same way anymore. And people feel it and are resisting it and like, screw this. I can go do my own thing, which is why we have so many great entrepreneurs in part, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what would you say the best part of your business is now? Mm. I mean, this feels maybe a little woo woo, but I, my heart is really to help people like shed old skins, you know, and I've, as I've gone through my personal journey of growth and I would say some kind of awakening, I, I used to think I needed to change pieces of myself. And now I just more, I keep using the word unfold, but it's like all of who we are, all all of who we are at the core, we've always been, and it's all good. Like there aren't these bad parts of us that we we should exile. And and so I think as we learn to fully, I guess, embrace, these are all so cliche words, but <laughs> just like really get to know who we are at the core and then shed all the crap, all of the old skin on top of that it's pretty awesome. So, you know, what are the old skins? It's like my limiting beliefs or the way that I was wired as a kid or, um, my fears. A lot of people have so many fears or they think they're afraid of failure, but they're actually afraid of success. Like that's an old skin. It's just, so when, when I see people have those moments of like, 
oh my gosh, that was an unlock. And I'm letting this thing go and uncovering the best of who I am. That is like, ooh, that's so yummy to me. It's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. I think like as women, as we age, we start to become more comfortable with ourselves and allow ourselves to do that. Are you saying I'm aging? No, I'm saying I am. (laughs) I am aging. (laughs) We all are. It's, you know, it's science. Every day, every day we are. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and I think when you're in your, your entrepreneur life and you're, you're exploring different parts of yourself as you run a business and as you encounter new challenges constantly, I think it's that it's an additional form of kind of opening up and understanding how you want to deal with things. And one thing I found as I get older is I'm just a lot more confident in my, my mind and what I, like, I know is kind of right and wrong and what I want out of something and that I kind of stand my ground a lot firmer than I used to. Um, and allowing other people to kind of step into that power too, is really amazing and, and supporting that growth for them. Um, I have an employee, uh, who works for me right now. And the other, we were just having a really hard time getting an answer on this piece of furniture that's missing the other day. And she's like, I need to write an email about it and be firm with like what I need to say. And I was like, yeah, you do. And then she wrote it and I literally, she's like, can you read it and (laughs) put it to me? And I changed everything. And I was like, I'm sending it. She's like, okay. And so I sent it. And literally like two minutes later, there's a call. He's like, I'll have it dropped off by tomorrow. And it's like, you have to sometimes step into these like scary things about yourself. But as soon as you feel that power and said, you know, we've been waiting this long, you promised this, you need to deliver. I'm just holding you to the expectation that you set. I'm just making sure you meet your promises you kind of gain that power. And then she's like, I know how to, you know, I'm, I'm ready now. Like I can send that email and I can get the answer I need, but allowing people to kind of step into their bravery a little bit. I love that. And I think Mm. if you're, if you're leading a team, I think it is kind of a responsibility to, to help Mm. those that you are working with to experience those types of growth moments. Oh, a thousand percent. That is one of my favorite things too. I think I think when you, I can't remember who said it, but this idea of like, you can see something in somebody too, whether it's their bravery or a specific skill or a potential, not that you have a, you know, golden globe or something golden globe. That's not the right. What's the gypsy crystal, (laughs) crystal ball. ball. (laughs) Not that you have that, but, but there are times that I, for sure, I'm looking at people. I'm like, Ooh, I can see something in you and you like exhort you, you help call that out of them. Mm -hmm. That to me is also one of my favorites. When you start creating a space, there's a phrase like people will grow into the conversation you have around them. And so you start having the conversation and building that space for them to step into that is really powerful. And when I look back at the times in my life that I've stepped into new spaces or stepped into new courage or strength or some kind of empowerment it was often because someone did that for me. They saw something in me and they were like, oh, Jen, no, that like this kind of isn't the full you. You are capable of this. And I was like, really? And then I started to think about it and then I started to embody it and then step into it. So it's really great. I don't know. It's pretty, it's, it's an honor as a leader to have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and I think as an entrepreneur, if you're leading a team, I think there is a whole piece of it that has nothing to do with your business and nothing to do with your product or anything like that. It is a calling to 
be somebody to help other people grow. And that's on, like you said, one of the most rewarding parts of having a team and running a business is being able to be kind of a teacher and allow the other people the opportunity to grow. It's just a very rewarding kind of situation where you can see that happening on a daily basis. In terms of advice and kind of rules to live by, if you were to give advice to your team or other people coming up behind you, um, what would maybe your top three pieces of advice be? Mm. I think there's a lot of power in getting clear on, I'm going to call it your why, or, you know, Simon Sinek has the book, start with why he's got a Ted talk. People can go watch that. It's like 18 minutes or something, but your why is bigger than you, right? It's, and it's often a point of contribution to society. Not that it has to be like, I'm going to go build a school in a third world country. It can be that, but what is it that you actually care about deep, deep down? And why, why is that? And it might seem again, a little out there, but for me, having clarity on sort of my dharma, my purpose, my, what lights me up, my why is what lights me up. It's not just like what I think I should give to, it actually like sets me on fire. Right. And when I got clear on that and connected to that, that, that purpose is what pulls you through pain. You know, it's, it's, what pulls you on the other side of the fear and the pain is always where the potential is. If you don't have clarity on what's on the other side of it or what you can see out there, it's really hard on the hard days to pull through. And, you know, go back, going back to where we started to have discipline in those moments when, you know, this is why I'm doing this thing today. I don't want to do as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to sell however you choose to sell. And that's not everybody's favorite thing to do. Um, and maybe it's other, maybe it's hard conversations with employees. Maybe it's hiring somebody that you're, you're scared of doing that. You have to know what's on the other side of it in order to have something to pull you through the pain. So getting clear on that, I think mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. That's, huge. um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, just kind of to reiterate, I would say understanding the aspect of discipline. Like I think there's a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've worked with and myself included, we get new ideas. It's kind of like, well, the best entrepreneurs have these greatest ideas and you get ideas and you get all jazzed up by the idea. And then the execution requires discipline. Oh, yeah. It requires a plan. It And um, you've got to know going into it that get the great idea, get the big dream, make a plan and then execute consistent, consistent, consistent. Like you're going to have to be consistent on the things that are not super sexy mm-hmm. and um, know that. Ah, uh, third thing. What else did I say? Um, I think it's kind of coming back to on knowing yourself. I think it's really easy at so many turns to think we know ourselves, and then to show up to a situation or to a marketing plan or to a room full of people and, and ask, what do they want? What do I think they want? Which there's a good aspect of that, but but like if i'm if i'm living my life from the outside in i'm never fully showing up as me does that make sense yeah like if i'm constantly like well who do they think if like <laughs> i use the example in one of my trainings like if i thought i wanted to date an nfl football player and then i was like well what am i going to have to do to date him and i'm like well i have to become a cheerleader <laughs> then, then like i tried to do that i'm like well i'm not really a cheerleader i'm not i'm going to get if i get lucky enough to get into that relationship <laughs> 
Like it's not going to be successful because I'm not showing up as me. So mm-hmm. in a real way, again, it's slowing down enough to go to just before you get started, or maybe if you're already started and you're not really clear on who you are and what your values are and what's important to you and why is that important? And what are your quirks? Like for me, I'm learning on just embracing my weirdness. And if I'm in front of a room and I <laughs> say something quirky, it's okay. Like this is just, I'm going to be me. And then to one point that we talked about earlier, I think when you show up that way, I don't think, I know when you show up that way, the path unfolds in such a magnetic, powerful way for you. And things come to you that are in alignment with you versus have this constant resistance of trying to fit in to a marketing plan or an approach or something that isn't, that isn't in alignment with who you are. You will have constant resistance and tension and strain if you do that. I think one kind of visual I always think about in terms of like your authentic self is that if you only saw people for their energy, like if you were trying to be something you're not, and I saw you for kind of what you're trying to be, it just wouldn't fit. I'd be like, something's, something's not right about that. Like, it's just, you know, it's square peg round hole. Like I, you know, in my heart, I don't feel it. Like, I don't like it. I don't like what you're saying. I don't, whatever it might be. And then as soon as you show up as your authentic self and your why really dictates that part of you as well, because your why is completely a derivative of who you are authentically and what you Mm -hmm. want out of life and what you want for the world. And as soon as you show up that way, it resonates. People Mm -hmm. see past you as a physical thing and they, they feel that you are true. Like you're being congruent. It's congruent. Exactly. And I think that's massive in any business. As soon as I always say, that's my, my superpower is I, I truly am myself when I meet clients for the first time, I am who I am. I joke around if they don't like it, that's fine. It's just not a good fit, but Mm -hmm. the people that do like it, they love it. And that's like how I connect with people and how, you know, the relationship, how we go through tough times when they're really stressed out during their renovation or something comes up and it's not okay. It's like that relationship that we've built on authenticity from the get-go is what carries us through and, and keeps the success coming in. Um, we are almost at the end of our time. So can you let everybody know where they can find you? I know you said you're starting your own podcast, so definitely drop that and send me the links and I'll put them all in the show notes, but let them, let people know where they can find you, where they can listen to you, everything like that. Yeah. So my podcast I'm launching on November 1st, it's called The Whole Shebang. It is about reintegrating feminine energy into the boardroom, the bedroom and beyond. I love <laughs> so, it. I'll be listening for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm I'm recording episodes now. It's going to be really fun. It's. It, I thought it was like a, a just a, like an interesting thing three years ago. And I've just, it's grown into this, this passion I can't outrun. So I'm super excited about that. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm just getting my Instagram going for that podcast on the whole shebang with Jen. Um, my website is the same, the whole shebang with Jen. And in there you'll have, there'll be contact information if you want to reach out, but thank you for that opportunity to, to plug that. I would love you guys to check it out. Thank you so much for being here. I think that was really great. So many good little tidbits and advice in that episode. So I appreciate your time and, and your energy being here and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Puppy Gang Fresh Foods. This is Artie's favorite time of day. We have been using Puppy Gang Fresh Foods for about a year now, and 
It's fantastic. Artie looks so forward to mealtimes. He used to be such a picky eater. We changed over when he was diagnosed with some joint issues, and it has been such a game changer for his health and wellness. It is made with human-grade meat. It's freshly cooked. It's delivered right to your door. It's in little convenient packs. It was developed by Holistic Nutrition. They're super sustainable. I can't say enough good things. If you use the code ARTI, you get 50% off your first eight packs. I really encourage you to do this if you got a picky eater or someone with health issues in your family, one of your fur babies, try them out. That's ARTI, A-R-T-I-E, for 50% off your first eight packs. 